Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 actors born in the 1910s in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? What is this? As the decades march on and we uh, get closer and closer to present day, uh, we start to have people who are alive. Uh, this will be the first top ten um, decade-born actors list that has uh, someone who is still alive in it. Uh, and we get more recognizable as the as the years pass by as well. Uh, some really big names, really recognizable people in this list that I'm really excited to uh, to get into. Uh, so uh, that's 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 about it. Uh, a couple of people who near nearly make the list but don't quite. Some names here: uh, Mercedes McCambridge, Oscar winner, uh, does not make the list this time around. Um, Olivia De Havilland does not quite make it either. Uh, who else do we have here that uh, might be familiar? Vincent Price does not make the list. Uh, Hugh Griffith, Oscar winner, does not make it. Um, William Holden misses out this time around. Kirk Douglas, still alive, but not on the list just yet. Uh, Ernest Borgnine is, is woefully short. And uh, now we're starting to get too far away. Uh, people like Ingrid Bergman don't don't quite make it. Joan Fontaine, uh, also an Oscar winner. Celeste Holm, Jane Wyman, Wendy Hiller, all Oscar winners. None make the list. Eli Wallach, an honorary Oscar awardee, also does not make the list. So that being said, let's find out who does make the list in this decade's top ten. Starting out with our number 10 uh, for the actors born in the 1910s. This actor, born November 2nd, 1913, passing October 20th, 1994, at the age of 40, born in New York, currently has 16 film credits on my spreadsheet and an average film rating of 64.06. Three Oscar nominations that I've seen and one win, his only Oscar win, uh, for a total value of eight, a score of 64.94, ranked 283rd overall. So we're starting pretty low ranking-wise, uh, and that is the the great Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster, uh, who is a heartthrob uh, at his in his heyday, he has a fantastic smile, one of his noteworthy features, and um, he kind of, uh, I don't know, he, he's had a pretty strong history and a pretty strong career. He's got 90 credits on Letterboxd, uh, so I've seen about 17% of his filmography. Uh, some of the films he's been in that I think are just absolutely fantastic, Judgment at Nuremberg, he plays a pivotal role in that film, which is, in my opinion, the best film he's been in. Uh, as well as Sweet Smell of Success is another great one. Uh, Field of Dreams is a very good film that he has been in. 
uh, one of his nomination, one of his Oscar nomination nominated performances is in From Here to Eternity, which is uh, very, very good. Uh, you've got his Oscar-winning turn in Elmer Gantry, which he is pretty spectacular in that film. The film itself is quite good as well. Uh, he was in Gunfight at the OK Corral. Um, and his other Oscar-nominated performance that I have seen is Atlantic City. Uh, the film that he is nominated for that I haven't seen yet um, is, if I can find it here, Birdman of Alcatraz, which I have not yet seen. Some of the other films he's been in that I haven't seen, uh, according to popularity on Letterboxd, include The Leopard from 1963, The Killers from 1946, co-starred with Ava Gardner, Local Hero from 1983, The Swimmer from 1968, 1900 uh, from 1976, The Train 1964, Airport, Criss Cross, Seven Days in May, Brute Force, um... A lot of films, uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Vera Cruz co-starred with Gary Cooper. Sorry, wrong number with Barbara Stanwyck. The Osterman Weekend from 1983. Uh, a lot of like a lot of fantastic-looking posters that he's been in. Mo a lot of these posters are are pretty amazing, actually, which is interesting. I, I never like really took notice of anyone else's just collage of, of film posters before but I really think Burt Lancaster's uh, his selection of films the posters associated with them are quite fascinating as it turns out um, uh, historical notes uh, in 1999 Lancaster was named the 19th greatest male star of all time by the American Film Institute uh, that's a pretty, pretty high mark mm, I, don't, I don't know who was above him but that's pretty great uh, he's also directed a couple of films, neither of which have I seen, but they are called The Kentuckian and The Midnight Man from 1955 and 1974, respectively. Uh, yeah, so, Burt Lancaster. I was pretty meh on him for, for a while. You know, watching things... Uh, there was a period of time I watched Atlantic City, Separate Tables... Uh, the rain, uh, not the rainmaker. Olzana's raid, run silent, run deep, come back, little Sheba, the rose tattoo, um, and, and just like watching those films, they they're decent enough films, uh, depending on which one you're talking about. But I just found that Burt Lancaster wasn't particularly uh, charming. I, I don't think he had a lot of chemistry in those films. I think most, you know, and, and like. By that time, I had seen Judgment at Nuremberg, which I love, absolutely love Judgment at Nuremberg. But uh, Lancaster, while a pivotal role in the film, is not really a big presence. He, he mostly spends the film sitting stoically, and uh, that's not terribly difficult to do. He gets one or two big moments towards the end of the film, but in a three, three-and-a-half-hour-long film, that's not a lot of screen time. So... Uh, it's not that I love Judgment in Nuremberg for Lancaster's performance. There, Maximilian Schill is the one that Schell is the one that really, really bolsters that film. But man, uh, Lancaster finally, with From Here to Eternity, um, Gunfight at the OK Corral, and 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 honestly, Elmer Gantry, uh, I really became began to like sit up and take notice of of what he was able to do, and then finally in a position where I feel. 
yeah, I, I could I could get into watching a lot more of this guy's this guy's film. So, you know, all the films I just named, the ones I haven't seen, uh, are are bumped up a little bit more. Uh, particularly Birdman of Alcatraz, which is his only other Oscar-nominated performance that I haven't seen yet. And uh, I'm 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 thinking it it'll it'll be good. I'm thinking I'll, I'll have a good time with the, a lot of his other films, um, which is great, you know. Uh, Burt Lancaster is a big name. Uh, he's one who has, you know, he's been around for quite, he was around for a long time. And uh, I think it'll, I think it, it'll finally be, be good to sort of really get to know him better. Uh, the most recent film that he was in that I saw is called Jenny is a Good Thing, which is actually a documentary which he narrates. It was nominated for Best Documentary Short in 1969, I want to say. Um, maybe. And uh, it's it's his worst film uh, by a small margin. And uh, I don't know. There's that. There's that. So they he he's got a good voice though for for narration at, at the very least um, and voiceovers and things like that in in the instance in, in the movies where he's asked to do those things. So Burt Lancaster, um, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I've come around. I've come around on Burt Lancaster. And um, if you if you're not super familiar with his work, uh, you know I think his name. Is, is very recognizable, but I, I wouldn't say that a lot of the films he's been in uh, are are notable for him being in them to people who aren't like entrenched in in film. At least that's my impression. You know, I've kn- I knew the name Burt Lancaster long before I knew any of the films he was actually in. So, uh, you know, with the exception of Field of Dreams, you know, most of these films are, are just older and harder to find. So. Yeah, take a look. Check out, you know, my recommendation for performance-wise is Elmer Gantry, first and foremost. I think he's he's phenomenal in that movie. So, number 10 uh, of, of 1910s born actors is Burt Lancaster. Moving on to number 9. We have an actor born December 23rd, 1918 in India. Uh, he has seven film credits to his name right now with an average film rating of 76 even, fairly high. None of them are rated below a 59, so a very strong resume of these seven films with a value of 7.5 and a score of 66.61 for a total ranking of 233rd, 50 spots above Burt Lancaster. We have Kumar Palana. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Kumar Palana who uh, uh, or passed in October, passed October 10th, 2013, at the age of 94, um, despite when he was born and his age is actually mostly in recent films. So uh, the seven credits that I have for him are Rushmore. Uh, he worked a lot with the Anderson, Wes Anderson, uh, The Darjeeling Limited, Royal Tenenbaums, Bottle Rocket. Uh, he was in The Terminal, with uh, Tom Hanks, he was in Another Earth with Britt Marling, and he was in Ten Items or Less with Morgan Freeman and Salma, Salma Hayek, is that right? Maybe it's not. Paz Vega, Paz Vega. The poster is a side profile. 
Um, so yeah, seven films, and uh, honestly, there aren't that many more to see. You know, he on Letterboxd, he is technically credited with eleven, and the four I haven't seen are Anjana Anjani, which is a two and a half hour long Bollywood film that he is in, that also stars Priyanka Ch- Priyanka Chopra, among others. Also, Bomb the System, uh, which is a drama from 2002 starring Mark Webber and Kadi Strickland, among others. Also, Campus Radio, starring a lot of people, but I don't recognize any of their names except for Kumar Palanas at this point. And uh, finally, Snapshot from 2000, 2014 starring uh, porn actor Sasha Gray. Uh, Danny Trejo, and others. Although I think, I feel like Sasha Gray doesn't do porn anymore. Yeah, former pornographic actor. Um, yeah, so four films that Polana has been in, or hasn't has been in that I haven't seen, and I, I, I don't know. I think if I do get around to seeing them, they all look very obscure and, and like difficult to find. But if I do end up getting to see them, uh, odds are his, he, he could, he could drop in, in ranking fairly quickly. Uh, but as it stands, you know, I love, uh, the Wes Anderson films, uh, all of them really, uh, Rushmore is my favorite of the ones that Palana has been in. You know, I think the terminal is solid film. Uh, I really enjoyed another earth and I think 10 times or less is okay. I, I like the Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman angle of it all. So, uh, you know, he's he's been in some stuff and got some stuff done. And he's, he's successful. Uh, there's a chance, I didn't look, but I guess there's a chance that if you look on IMDb, he might have more credits than Letterboxd gives him. So maybe there's an opportunity there to... Uh, find some more stuff that is more easily accessible than the ones available and the, the, the ones that letterbox shows but uh, that'll be uh, I'm, I'm far removed from having to do that so I'll get to that when I do anyway Kumar Palana he's probably been in TV shows too I wonder if there's any TV shows that this tells me about nope nope not not on here have to go to IMDB have to go to IMDb. So, um, yeah, Kumar Palana. He had a very long, prosperous career in Wes Anderson movies and a couple of others. He's probably been on TV shows, though. He, he looks like the kind of guy who's been on TV shows. Uh, he is one of the th- four names on uh, this, this month's top ten list that are not born and from the United States. Uh, and He's the first of those. Uh, going forward, he is number nine bo- of the act- top ten actors born in the 1910s. And uh, yeah, Kumar Palana. You probably would recognize him if you saw his picture, if you don't recognize his name. But he's number nine, Kumar Palana. Number eight uh, is definitely a name you will all recognize. He was born May 6th, 1915 in Wisconsin. He passed October 10th, 1985 at the age of 70. I have seen 12 films to his credit, and they have an average film rating of 68.67. I have seen one film where he was nominated for an Oscar 
performance-wise, uh, he's been nominated for many other Oscars as a director, producer, and maybe a writer. I'm not sure about that last one. Yes, and won. He has won an Oscar for writing. In fact, he has a total value of 8, a score of 66.86, and is ranked 226 overall at this point in time. And that is the legendary Orson Welles. George Orson Welles, known as Jorson Orson Welles, is uh, you know a, a, a name you cannot possibly escape if you have ever tangentially associated yourself with film, in my opinion. Uh, just the simple fact that he made and stars in Citizen Kane uh, has solidified his place in the cinematic landscape for all of eternity. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. The other films that he has found his way into and has made in some capacity, uh, F for Fake, Touch of Evil, The Third Man, The Lady from Shanghai, The Magnificent Ambersons, A Man for All Seasons, History of the World Part 1. Uh, he's done Othello. Uh, he, has, he, has, he has worked on a lot of things, a lot of films, and... Uh, he is credited on Letterboxd as having been in 160 films. He is credited as, as a, he is credited as a director on 41 films, as a writer on 32, uh, and producer on 15, editor on two, production design on one, costumes on one. He has pretty much done it all, uh, and he was doing it long before uh, any of the people. Most of the people working today were. Uh, Citizen Kane came out back in 1941, uh, which is 77 years ago. That's crazy. And it's the film everyone compares things to, right? Is it as good as Citizen Kane? It's no Citizen Kane. What's a Citizen, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane? And, like, look, Citizen Kane is a fantastic film. I don't particularly enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's overrated for all the hype it gets and all the you know number one ra rankings it gets across the world but it is definitely a good film uh, I think there's no denying that and it was good it was very much ahead of its time and, and doing a lot of things that other people at that time weren't even dreaming of doing just yet personally my favorite film that he has been in is The Third Man I think The Third Man not only features, my, in my opinion, the best performance from Orson Welles uh, he gives that I've seen so far. Uh, you know, he has one of the most fantastic entrances and introductions into a film for any character. He, it, the reveal of his his face is is unbelievable, and it's it's brilliant. I love it so much. As a writer. Uh, he won an Oscar for Citizen Kane. He is also credited as a writer on Touch of Evil and Magnificent Ambersons, F for Fake, Lady for Shanghai, Lady from Shanghai. As a director, uh, he is currently uh, my ranked number 77th as a director. Uh, he has one nomination. That's for Citizen Kane. He also directed Magnificent Ambersons, Touch of Evil, Lady from Shanghai, F for Fake. Uh, so pretty much the same films. Uh, some of the films of his that I haven't seen yet, but that he is in, at least. The Trial from 1962. Chimes at Midnight from 1965. History of the World Part 1, 1981. The Stranger from 1946. K 
Catch-22, The Transformers, The Movie from 1986, Othello from 51, Confident, uh, Mr. Arkadin, uh on the poster. It's listed as Confidential Report from 55, Lost in La Mancha from 2002. Um, he did Macbeth. He did Moby Dick. He did Jane Eyre. Uh, he did all, all the things. Waterloo. Um, just looking down here. Uh, da, 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 Shogun. Filming Othello. So a documentary about Othello. Necromancy. He's He's pretty much done it all. He's done a lot of things, a lot of a lot of fantastic films, and I, you know, the thing the thing about Orson Welles, uh, particularly the films that he's also directing and writing, is that they're very much uh, tough and, and and hard watches. And what I mean by that is that they they require a lot of investment. They require a lot of focus and, and understanding because he is doing a lot. In all of his movies, he is really stretching what what we are capable of, of viewing and understanding on a first pass as as thin as he possibly can. Uh, and and he's not the only director that does this, but uh, he is uh, perhaps the most recognized, uh, most well known and recognizable director for doing this. Um, you know, Citizen Kane is a great example of this, and uh, it, it's pretty much you know, Touch of Evil. I think is a good example of this too. I like Touch of Evil quite a bit, but I, I think it's a it has its own issues that are kind of not the same that most of his other films have. You have Charlton Heston playing, I believe, a Mexican, uh, which is very strange. So that that is its own thing. But you know, he he's um, I don't know. He's he's a brilliant brilliant filmmaker. Uh, no matter where he is in relation to the camera, and I think he's, um, I don't know, I think, I, 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 I'm excited to dive into more of the films that he's made, not necessarily start in, I think that there's a lot to learn, and, and to, to understand, and carry with me through the rest of my, uh, watching of film experiences, because, you know, he is just one of those seminal filmmakers. He is, you know, you put him alongside a Kurosawa or a Sergio Leone or, you know, any of those other huge names in film that have, that have kind of, you know, uh, created the landscape, and that's that's a big big um, reputation that he he leaves you with, and uh, that's pretty pretty impressive he's he deserves he deserves your respect at the very least and um for me he's number eight and as far as acting goes he's number eight uh he's the eighth best actor born in the 1910s as of this moment so orson wells number eight let's move on to number seven and this is the only person on this list on this top 10 list that is still alive and uh is actually the, was born was the with one exception is was born before everyone else on this list surprisingly so born march 
thirtieth, nineteen eleven. And I want to double check this to make sure. Still alive. Yep, still alive. In Japan, born in Japan, still alive, currently at the age of 107 years old, with six film credits and an average film rating of 81 even, the second highest average film rating of people on this list, uh, with a value of 7.5 and a score of 68.25, ranked 185th overall, is Yutaka Sada. Uh, He is... uh, the oldest person on my spreadsheet that's alive. Uh, you know, no one else even comes close. I think the next oldest person was born in 1916, and that is Olivia de Havilland. She is the next oldest person. She uh, will turn 102 if she makes it to July 1st. But Yutaka Sada, uh, who was most recently credited as being in an Akira Kurosawa documentary in 2002. I'm going to check IMDb to see if he's been in anything more recently than this, uh, just to see if when he stopped working. Um, his late, his last real acting credit is listed as 1971, uh, which I think makes sense. The Battle of Okinawa from 1971. I'm guessing... His credit in Akira Kurosawa colon, It is Wonderful to Create, colon, High and Low, from 2002, is just an uh, archival footage role. Uh, so he has been in 35 films, including that documentary, according to Letterboxd. Uh, if you look on IMDb, he's credited in 133 things. And most of them look like films. They have Japanese titles. So, uh, Letterboxd kind of dropping the ball just a little bit there, but that's not really their fault. Uh, the reason he is so highly rated is because he is a collaborator with Kurosawa, as everyone from Japan that was an actor in this time period was. And that is perfectly fine. Uh, he has been in Throne of Blood, High and Low, Sanjuro, Yojimbo, and The Hidden Fortress. Five of his six credits are... Kurosawa films, they are all very, very good to great to amazing. The only film that drags him down and is bad is Mothra vs. Godzilla from 1964. Uh, This is the fourth film in the Godzilla franchise. And uh, one of the ones that actually improves upon its its predecessor. It's still not very good, though. It's still a bad film, but it is at least better than... Like Godzilla Raids Again and uh, whatever the third one is. King Kong versus Godzilla, I think. So, uh, there's that. Um, but he's been in a, he's in a lot of Godzilla movies. Uh, 1968's Destroy All Monsters. 1969's All Monsters Attack. 1966, Abira, Horror of the Deep. Um, that might be it, though. So, he's in another like three or four Godzilla movies. But he's also in more Kurosawa movies that I haven't seen, including, uh, I believe these are credited to him, uh, including Redbeard from 1965, The Bad Sleep Well from 1960, and I Live in Fear from 1955. Uh, so, dep- 
depending on what I get to first, it'll probably be more Godzilla movies, honestly. I have all of them downloaded already, so uh, I've been trying to watch them as sporadically and frequently as possible, but they're they're real silly and and just just not very good after the first one. So it's it's kind of a slog. But Yutakasada, uh so much respect for this guy. Um, he is, you know, looking at these at the films that I've seen him in. Uh, he isn't exactly like the main character in any of them, and in fact, he's mostly a minor character at best. Um, you know, he's named in a couple of these. I'm trying to find one where he's actually fairly high up on the list, um, but he's mostly just credited as a samurai in that in the Edo period films. Or uh, in in high and low, he plays Alki the chauffeur. Um, he's the guard at Bridge Barrier in the Hidden Fortress. So, uh, you know, he's he's not getting all the speaking lines to put it like that. He plays old man in Mothra versus Godzilla. So at least credible and notable for how old he is, how long he he acted. He acted uh, until he was 60, give or take, um, for his collaborations with uh, Akira Kurosawa and with the Godzilla franchise and, and beyond that. You know, he's been in a lot of other things outside of those two connections. So <clears throat> uh, here's to, you know, another 107 years for Yutaka Sada, which won't come, but the closer he gets, the, the better things will be. And yeah, Yutakasada is our number seven of the month, or of the number seven best actor in uh, the 1910s, born in the 1910s. And let's move on to number six. Number six. Okay, number six here. Born in Pennsylvania, October 10th, 1912, passing March 29th, 1982 at the age of 69. With a ca uh, film count of eight credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 76.5. Uh, very, very top-heavy uh, distribution of films. Five of his eight films were rated between 91 and 98. Uh, the rest are rated uh, 56 or lower. He has a value of eight, a score of 69.2, and is ranked 156th overall. Uh, back in uh, a time long ago, he was actually a top 50 ranked actor. Uh, that was before some of the formula changes took place. But now he is ranked 156th, and that is Rudy Bond. Rudy Bond. He is credited has been in, having been in 13 films, according to Letterboxd. And he, at, for how long he's been around on the spreadsheet, and I've noticed his name, uh, I have definitely taken strides to try to find more of his movies. They're tough. They're not easy to get a hold of. And he hasn't really been in more than these 13 that uh, I've seen, or noticed either, even. So uh, it's not easy to get a hold of his movies. And the problem is... The five five of the movies he's been in are some of the most iconic, uh, most incredible movies of all time. Uh, in fact, four of them are in my top 300. And in fact, I think all four of those are also in like my top 100. So those include, in de descending ranking, The Godfather, the first one. 
He is in 12 Angry Men. He is in On the Waterfront. He is in The Taking of Pelham 123. And he is in a streetcar named Desire. Uh, if you don't recognize the name Rudy Bond, uh, some of his, what he is credited, he is Carmine Cuneo in The Godfather. Carmine Cuneo. In 12 Angry Men, he plays the judge, uncredited. In On the Waterfront, he is Moose, who I don't remember. In A Streetcar Named Desire, he is Steve. He is fifth build, actually, as Steve in A Streetcar Named Desire. And in The Taking of Pelham 123, he plays Phil, the police commissioner. So... Not quite an extra, uh, definitely a minor minor character actor uh, who didn't have a big career, uh, according to Letterboxd. Maybe IMDb does have a couple extra roles, like, I guess I should look that up, shouldn't I? Uh, according to IMDb, he has acted and performed in 61 film, or no, 61 credits, but a lot of them are TV series. At least half of them, maybe more. Maybe, maybe a lot more. Give or take, 15, 15 maybe. At most, 15 performances in movies. Movies. Uh, some of the other movies he's been in that I've seen that aren't so great, uh, Run Silent, Run Deep, which he was in with Burt Lancaster, Nightfall from 1957, and The Mountain Road from 1960, which stars uh, James Stewart. And those are, are very passable. Uh, you can very much ignore those. Some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen and have been having trouble finding. The Super Cops from 1974. The Brothers Rico from 1957. Miss Sadie Thompson from 1953. Bang the Drum Slowly from 1956. And The Hard Man from 1957. And yeah, he's uh, he's just, to me, he's been around forever. Uh, I don't know. He's just he's been around forever. I remember when I watched the taking of Pelham One Two Three and realized he was in it. And at the time, uh, he was pretty much the highest, comparative to like how many films he's been in. He was like one of the highest rated people on my spreadsheet. And taking of Pelham One Two Three just increased that. And I was really frustrated by this because I didn't want him to be so highly rated. Uh, for so few films and that was before i had the current formula which does take that into account uh and so i started to try to find other films to put him to to watch that he was in and uh it was slow going i've only seen three in that time so but they are he is falling back to earth as it were rudy bond number six uh number six best actor in born in the 19 Tens, Rudy Bond. Moving on to number four. Or number five. Five comes after six. Number five, born June 3rd, 1911. Passing April 14th, 1999 at the age of 87 from Wisconsin. Uh, with six film credits to her name. Yes, the only person on this top ten that is not male is this, this number five here. Six film credits uh, an average film rating of 83.17, the highest average film rating of anybody on this top 10 list. No films rated below a 65 
a 65. No average or bad films at all, a value of 8, and a score of 70.38 for a ranking of 128th overall. And that is Ellen Corby. Ellen Corby. I'll let that sink in for a minute here. Ellen Corby. Ringing any bells, anybody. Ellen Corby. Ellen Corby. No. Okay, so Ellen Corby uh, is, <laughs> according to Letterboxd, most widely remembered for the role of Grandma Esther Walton on the CBS television series The Waltons, for which she won three Emmy Awards. Uh, that's great, uh, but has absolutely nothing to do with movies. So the question is, what movies has she been in? And uh, like I said, I've seen her in six of them. And uh, perhaps the most famous, most popular of them is It's a Wonderful Life. She has been in It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, yeah, her role in the film is, if I can find her name, da, 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 da. Miss Davis, uncredited. She is very, very low on the list there. Uh, and on, But on top of that, she was in Vertigo, uh, often considered one of the greatest movies of all time, where she is credited as the manager of the McKittrick Hotel. She's been in the Audrey Hepburn vehicle Sabrina, directed by Billy Wilder, where she is credited as Miss McCarty. She's been in Shane from 1953, recently featured as a uh, in, in Logan. They talk about Shane and Logan. She is credited as Liz Tory in Shane, and uh, she was in Mighty Joe Young from 1949 <clears throat> as Orphanage Matron. So again, not someone who's getting a lot of big roles. Uh, probably her most recognizable role was in Vertigo as the hotel manager, I'm guessing. I, I'm not sure. I couldn't pick her out of a crowd. But <clears throat> she has been credited in at least 74 films, according to Letterboxd. I've seen six of them. That's about 8%. Uh, she was actually she was nominated for an Academy Award in a film in the film I Remember Mama for the uh, for the role of Aunt Trina. I Remember Mama, starring Irene Dunn. This is a 1946 film directed by George Stevens, uh, where she is. Um, even in this, like she's like the twelfth build person, uh, so obviously a supporting actress nomination. Um, but it's good. Uh, the The nice thing about that is, you know, she was kind of a minor character actor uh, for a long period of time, and even after she was nominated for an Oscar, she kind of still became. She was still uh, not so fortunate enough to be a lead character. Lead, lead actor in any of the movies, but for at least one mo movie, she had a big enough role to be nominated, and hey, you know, it's an honor just to make it to the party, and uh, I'm looking forward to finally getting to see a real performance from her, where she gets to do a whole heck of a lot. Some of the films she's been in that I haven't seen yet, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, Laurel and Hardy in Sons of the Desert, the Spiral Staircase with Ethel Barrymore and Dorothy McGuire. Gregory Peck in The Gunfighter. Born to Kill from 1947. Um, Bedlam 
with Boris Karloff, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer with Shirley Temple and Cary Grant, Don Knotts in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, Little Women from 1949, and Babes in Toyland, also a Laurel and Hardy film, in addition to I Remember Mama. Um, outside of the four big films I named of hers that she's been in already, uh, I would include Caged from 1950. Uh, this was a film I saw recently and I've talked about before. And uh, I think she she actually does get a fairly significant role in Caged. She's third build in this behind Eleanor Parker and Agnes Moorhead. And Caged is a fantastic film in its own right. And then... Uh, the other, fi- and then I mentioned Mighty Joe Young. So those are the f- six films she's been in. For me, the best one is Vertigo, uh, followed very closely by It's a Wonderful Life, and the weakest film is Shane. That's my opinion. Uh, although the tag or, or the poster for Shane quote says the greatest story of the West ever filmed. Don't think I'd agree with that at all, but what they can say whatever they want can't they cool so ellen corby has the honor of being the only female to make uh this top 10 list she comes in at number five and uh, there are a whole wealth of films left for me to watch with her in them so i'm i'm excited to see her especially in um in a movie where she's oscar nominated i think that'll be really exciting so ellen corby Number five. Moving on to number four, we have uh, the um, of all these top ten people, uh, the person born first before any of them, uh, born in New Jersey, February seventeenth, nineteen ten. So a month and a half into the decade, passing November twenty fourth in nineteen fifty five, at the age of forty five, did not have the longest life, unfortunately, uh, with eleven film credits to his name and an average film rating of 73.09 a value of 9.5 and a score of 71.35 we uh for a total rank of 112 still just outside the top 100 is james milliken james milliken who has been in over 200 films according to the bio of letterboxd but on letterboxd is only credited with 76 films Uh, was primarily a western actor uh, so some of his credits include High Noon, um, The Man from Laramie, The Gunfighter, uh, Rawhide, Devil's Doorway, uh, The Man from Colorado Riding Shotgun, uh, Springfield Rifle, Carson City, bunch of other films, but... Surprisingly, like most of the films I've seen him in are not westerns, but that's more because I haven't really seen a ton of westerns. Uh, so he's been in films including His Girl Friday, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Lost Weekend, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Only Angels Have Wings, You Can't Take It With You, Meet John Doe. Uh, he worked a lot with Capra, apparently. Uh, Mr. 880, he was in with Burt Lancaster. Missing Women from 1951. Um, and uh, a lot more, a lot of films here, and this is barely scratching the surface. This is 
only representative of about a third of his total filmography, supposedly. Uh, and that's that's pretty staggering. You know, anybody who gets over a hundred, I think, is incredibly impressive. And uh, to eclipse two hundred, you know, that's there aren't a lot of people that can do that, especially people who aren't you know extras. And he isn't. You know, he's a you know character actor in a lot of these films. Uh, I believe. Maybe not. I don't know. He's named. He's Tim in His Girl Friday. Tim. We all love Tim. And uh, Deputy Sheriff Herb Baker in High Noon. So, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a name. He's got names. Um, some of the films that I haven't seen him in. Uh, Scandal Sheet. The Gunfighter. Devil's Doorway. Uh, 14 Hours. Rawhide. A Chump at Oxford, which is a Laurel and Hardy film. Too Many Husbands. Uh, strategic Air Command. I was a communist for the FBI. I died a thousand times. Uh, the Winning Team. The Bride Wore Boots with Barbara Stanwyck. The Lion is in the Streets. James Cagney. So, plenty of films. Uh, you know, I may have even seen him in other things if I look on IMDb that he's not shown as being in in Letterboxd, to be honest. But, uh, you know, for, for someone who only lived to be 44, or uh, according, to, according to me, 45, um, 200 films is a whole heck of a lot. Assuming he started acting when he was just born, he would have been in four films a year. And according to Letterboxd, the first film he was in was in 1935. So in 20 years... He was in two hundred over two hundred films, ten a year. That's really impressive. That's pretty crazy, to be honest. Wow. So, James Milliken, big name, big big resume, honestly. And uh, for me, the best film he's been in is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I think it's it's pretty great. Uh, followed by The Lost Weekend, His Girl Friday, You Can't Take It With You. High Noon, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and so on and so forth. Mr. 880 is the weakest film that he's been in. Uh, that's the one with Burt Lancaster. And it's it's kind of just a silly, short little thing I think I watched on YouTube. I, you know, it wasn't particularly engaging or exciting at all. So, yeah, Burt Milliken. James Milliken, not Burt Milliken. James Milliken. I guess I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Yeah. He's number four. Fourth best actor born in the 1910s as of this moment. Let's move on to number three. The uh, another actor born in Japan. Uh, This one born April 28th, 1917. Passing November 1st, 1999. Age 82. Nope. I'm sorry. No, I was right. That's right. That's right. Uh, with nine film credits, an average film rating of 76.22, a value of 9.5, and a score of 71.86, ranked 101st. So still just outside the top 100. This will be the last one, though. Uh, that is Minoru Chiaki. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. As you might expect, 
He's been in some Kurosawa films, uh, as it turns out. Uh, Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Ikaru, Throne of Blood, High and Low, Hidden Fortress, Stray Dog. And those seven films are principally what carry him uh, into this ranking. Uh, one of the films, drag- the only film dragging him down is Godzilla Raids Again, the second film in the Godzilla uh, series, I guess. Uh, which is, in my opinion, the worst film so far that I've seen out of the, like, six or so, I think, that I've seen. And then the only film he's been in that's not Kurosawa and isn't bad is The Human Condition 2, colon, Road to Eternity. Uh, This is a trilogy directed by Masaki Kobayashi. I've seen the first two of them. They follow uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, who plays the the character of Kaji. And uh, let me see here. What's it? Um, and we're looking for Minoru Chiraki, Chiaki, who is very low credit. Uh, Onadera Haicho in The Human Condition 2, uh, which I totally recommend. I, I talked about it in one of the Scavenger Hunt episodes a long time ago, but it's a, it's a very good movie, very good trilogy that I'm two-thirds of the way through, and uh, very much biding my time until I can focus on the final sequence of it. Um, yeah, so uh, pretty much he's kind of in the same boat as Yutaka Sada. He is someone who worked with a lot of Kurosawa stuff and generally wasn't a principal actor in them, but was a significant minor role in a lot of these films. Uh, he was a priest in Rashomon, in Ikaru, which is the most recent film uh, I've seen from Kurosawa, he is Minoru, he is uh, Noguchi, if that rings any bells. Uh, some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen yet from Kurosawa uh, are The Idiot and I Live in Fear. But outside of Kurosawa, you have The Face of Another, directed by Hiroshi Teshigamara, Teshigahara, Teshigahara, uh, Gan. Ganryu Island, Samurai 3, colon, duel at Ganryu Island, The Lower Depths, which is a Kurosawa film, followed by The Inheritance, also Masaki Kobayashi, and Vendetta of a Samurai, directed by Katsu Mori. He is credited as having been in 45 films on Letterboxd of the I've Seen 9, which is 20%. Uh, in Seven Samurai, he was Haihachi, the good-natured samurai, and he uh, was uh, ultimately the first of them to be killed. And uh, I love this. Ironically, in real life, he turned out to be the last of the seven actors who played the Seven Samurai in Akira Kurosawa's film to die. First one who dies in the movie, last one to die in real life. Interesting. Uh, later in his career, according to this bio, he appeared as a secondary actor in many Toei films, 1986, he was given the Best Actor Prize at the Japan Academy Prize Ceremony for his performance in Toei's Grey Sunset. Is that listed here at all? Everything's in Japanese, so I don't know. Uh, Yeah, from 1985. So, yeah. He, um, he, He was around for quite some time. He was in a lot of movies, and it has... Bore, has bared fruit 
for this man, Minoru Chiaki, who I like. Uh, you, he's one of the few people from a lot of the Kurosawa films that isn't, you know, a big name uh, like Mifune or... or uh, oh, I can't think of the other... I just said his name. Nakadai, Tatsuya Nakadai. Outside of some of the big names like them, uh, you can see his picture on Letterboxd, and uh, he is someone I do recognize when I see him on the screen, at least. So, number three, Minoru, Minoru Chiaki from Japan, ranked 101 overall, and third, born in, 19, in the 1910s. And that moves us on to number two, and uh, these are two names, last two are definitely people you're going to know, uh, perhaps some people's favorite actor uh, in my number two, maybe. Sure, he's a lot of a handful of people's favorite actor. He's been in some of the most iconic films of all time. Of all time. Can you guess who it is? Let's see. Born April 2nd, 1914, passing August 5th, 2000, at the age of 86, from the United Kingdom. He is a recipient of an honorary Academy Award. He has been in 18 films that I've seen, the highest of anybody in this top 10, and perhaps one of the highest in the entire decade. Uh, he is has an average film rating of 67.78. He has been nominated for two Oscars that I've seen and has won one that I've seen. He has a value of 11.5, which is the highest value of anybody on this list, and has a total score of 72.5, ranking him 88th overall. Top 100. We made it. And that is, if you haven't guessed it by now, the remarkable and incredible Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. That's right. Alec Guinness comes in at number two of all the actors born in the 1910s with his 18 film credits, including the incredible films of Lawrence of Arabia and The Bridge on the River Kwai. Bridge on the River Kwai, he won an Oscar for. But let us not forget the trio of Star Wars films he had roles he had a role in uh, as he appeared in all of all three of the original films. Uh, alongside films like Kind Hearts and Coronets, Dr. Zhivago, The Man in the White Suit, the Lady Killers from 1955, A Passage to India, The Lavender Hill Mob, Murder by Death, and many, many more. Uh, the most recent of these films I believe I've seen is The Man in the White Suit. Uh, so basically the premise of this, it's interesting actually, uh, the premise of this is Guinness plays an inventor who creates a fabric that can never get dirty or worn out. And the people who own the company that he works at and that he'd made the discovery for uh, don't want him to do this because, you know, like anything that people have to buy multiple things of, if you never have to buy a second light bulb or suit or phone or computer or wallet or anything, uh, the industry will go under because that's how that works. So uh, they can't let him do it. And he's able to make one, which he wears, and it's so vibrantly bright, which is very, very strange. But I don't know. It was an interesting film. It was a very interesting and, and fun film to watch. 
Uh, he's been in a lot of movies. He's credited on Letterboxd as having been in the Force of Wake- Force Awakens, which is silly because he is. It's archival footage of his voice, which I think is unnecessary. But uh, I don't credit him as that on my spreadsheet, so it is what it is. I do credit him, and then I don't think he has this on Letterboxd. I do credit him as having a voice role in The Clone Wars, which is a very different thing entirely. So, um, Alec Guinness. Some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen. Uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. I've heard it's awful. I haven't gone out of my way to watch it just yet. Oliver Twist from 1948. Great Expectations from 1946. Kafka from 1991, starring Jeremy Irons. Scrooge from 1970. The Horse's Mouth from 58. 1964's The Fall of the Roman Empire. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from 1979. Didn't realize that was a remake. Mute Witness from 1995. Our Man in Havana from 1959. And and many, many, many more. He is... Very prolific. Uh, he was credited as being in 69 films, according to Letterboxd. Uh, I've seen 18, or 26%. Uh, he, perhaps his most interesting role is in Kind Hearts and Coronets, where he plays, I think, eight or so different characters um, who are systematically killed. Uh, he, uh, I've seen... I, he was he won an Oscar for um, for Bridge on the River Kwai. He was nominated for his performance in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, and the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is actually a TV adaptation of of the source material. So uh, there's that. He was in that. That's interesting. Interesting. Interesting little tidbit. Uh, shame that he's gone. Uh, it sucks, really. Not that he would really be still acting at this point. He would be uh, 104 if he were still alive. But it, I would just be fascinated to know, like, what you know. He lived to be two, to, to the year 2000, which is after uh, Phantom Menace came out. And so I, I'm I'm curious to know like how much of the vitriol that fans had for that film uh, made it made it to him, but to to see like what his op- opinion and impressions of uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rogue One would be you know Rogue One especially or or even Solo Solo uh, these anthology films I would love to get his take on like his, his just what he thinks um, what he thinks about them I think that would be really fascinating. Uh, because, you know, he wouldn't have been in any of the later films, presumably. I mean, maybe if he were still alive, they would have figured out a way to do it, but they probably shouldn't have. I don't think they, he would have wanted to be. Yeah, I don't know. It'd just be interesting to see what his what his opinion would be. That's all. So, number two. Number two act, best actor born in the 1910s is Alec Guinness, 88th overall. So let us finally get to the number one actor born in the 1910s. Uh, He is born, he was born November 4th, 1919, so came in very close to the end of the decade. 
He passed February 13, 1996 at the age of 76 with 10 current film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 78, uh, and a value, total value of 11 for a score of 76 even, ranked 47th overall, made it to the top 50. He is three and a half points higher than Alec Guinness. A big gap there. Uh, and that is Martin Balsam. Balsam? 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 Uh, yeah, he is uh, more recognizable than most of the, some of the other names on this list, but maybe not the most household of names, to be honest. But he has been in some very iconic films, including Psycho, the original Psycho from 1960. Uh, he plays Detective Milton Arbogast in Psycho. Uh, he has been in 12 Angry Men, uh, in which he plays juror number one, uh, playing second to Henry Fonda in that film. He is in Breakfast at Tiffany's, where he plays O.J. Berman in Audrey Hepburn's film. He is in On the, on the Waterfront as um, Galette, uncredited in that film. He's been in All the President's Men, Cape Fear, the De Niro version, from 91. He's been in, he was in the original Murder on the Orient Express. He's in The Taking of Pelham 123. Uh, he's actually very good in The Taking of Pelham 123. He plays Mr. Green, one of the criminals involved in the taking of said train. He's in St. Elmo's Fire, Tora, 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 to round out the 10 films I've seen that he's been in. But he has been in so many more things than that, including the original Cape Fear, starring Gregory Peck from 1962, Little Big Man from 1970, starring Dustin Hoffman, Catch-22 from 1970, The Sentinel, Death Wish 3, Seven Days in May, The Anderson Tapes, The Delta Force, Two Evil Eyes, and uh, Paul Newman in Ombre has also he's been in, and a ton of other things. Uh, including The Silence of the Hams from 1995. He's credited as being in 89 films on Letterboxd. I've seen 10, that's 11%. Uh, he is... Uh, he's a great actor. Uh, you know, 12 Angry Men is my favorite performance of his. Uh, it's it's his... He, he gets the most time to shine in that film that I've seen him in. But he's also fantastic in Psycho and Taking a Pelham 3, Breakfast Tiffany's on the Waterfront. Uh, all the presidents man he's he's good in everything uh he's he's very very good in all of these movies he's been in <clears throat> uh he did a little bit of a stint on uh on television as well before really breaking out onto film and getting some film roles uh you know he was you know 12 angry men was pretty much his biggest breakout of his career you know he he uh, it kind of helped lead to his future work with uh, Hitchcock on Psycho. You know, he also worked on a lot of Alfred Hitchcock Presents television specials, shows. I don't know how to correctly describe them. Uh, and that, you know, that just kind of snowballed into Breakfast at Tiffany's and uh, All the President's Men, Murder on the Orient Express, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Those, you know, he came, he came, he came real big in the early 70s. Uh, mid early to mid 70s as well he has been nominated for academy awards uh, but i haven't seen those performances actually um so let me just make sure i have all of them here 
front of me because he's won an Oscar, in fact. And oh, damn you, I'm to be. He was nominated and won an Oscar for his supporting role in A Thousand Clowns from 1965, a film I have not seen and is fairly low on his list of films according to popularity by Letterboxd. And I still don't see it down here. Just trying to get an idea what the film was. And um, it's got to be above this, right? There it is. Thousand Clowns. Uh, from 1965, where Balsam plays Arnold Burns, uh, who's not listed in the description, so I'm not really sure what kind of a role it is, but that's well-deserved, honestly. Well-deserved. He has had a fantastic career. You know, 10 films in, and he's the number, he's in my top 50 of all-time actors. So, you know, that's, it's got to say something. My favorite film that he's been in, as I mentioned, 12 Angry Men, Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3, followed by On the Waterfront. Uh, you get into The Breakfast at Tiffany's Psycho tier. There's the Murder on the Orient Express, All the President's Men tier, the Cape Fear, Tor Tor Tora Fear, and then the only bad film uh, from him that I've seen is St. Elmo's Fire. The only film I think is is less than a 50 personally but martin balsam uh you know he's he's great and uh if you're not familiar with who that is uh you should be uh go watch 12 angry men again or or check out some of his other stuff uh you know i 12 angry men definitely the go-to recommendation if you want to see balsam uh, i guess try a thousand clowns if you can find that too uh, he won an oscar for that performance so that's it's got to be worth something. It's got to be noteworthy in some way. Um, but of the things I've seen, 12 Angry Men, and then The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, I think, is also a fantastic showcase of what he's able to do. Uh, he, he's he's acting with some bigger people. You know, Robert Shaw, Walter Matthau uh, definitely tr uh, steal a lot of the spotlight in that film, but Balsam definitely gets gets his, his moments in, in, in it as well. So uh, that's my number one, Martin Balsam. Uh, Running down that top ten one more time, Burt Lancaster, Kumar Palana, Orson Welles, Yutaka Sada, Rudy Bond, Ellen Corby, James Milliken, Minero Chiaki, Alec Guinness, and Martin Balsam. That's it. That's it. Those are the top ten actors I have currently born in the 1910s. I, uh, you know, thank you guys for, for listening and, and being here here uh for this uh again this is coming out while i'm away i'm still currently away in uh, brazil at this point and i will be back next wednesday but not in time for next wednesday wednesday's episode so uh sometime after next one i think we're supposed to get back in to like back home at sometime in the afternoon on wednesday next week so that's where we're at thank you so much for listening if you want to support the show, uh, patreon.com slash circle of film, where you can contribute for as low as eight cents an episode. Uh, that ain't, you know, even able, still able to put out all these episodes, even when I'm not here. That's how reliable I can be. You can write in and uh, get in touch with me for any reason at all, if you want to. Email circleoffilm at gmail.com. Always looking for top movie lists. Uh, the, the longer, the better. Or check out, or, or use uh, Twitter, at Circle of Film. I'm always there. And if you would like to 
go to the website. You can go to circleoffilm.com where you can find a list of all the previous decades that I've done, top 10 lists, as well as all the month-born actor lists that I've done uh, up to this point, which will be making a turn. They will make a return at some point. Just uh, keep an eye out for those eventually. And that's it. Thank you so much one more time. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view.